So don't forget my law. We need to stay in the Word of God. Uh, as we can think about the Word of God, several things about it. It is, a, it is an inspired book. You know, 2 Timothy 3.16 says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed. God gave it. God is the author of it. Though God used human agents to pen it down, you know, holy men of God spake as they were moved or borne along, sort of like a, sort of like a ship on the sea that's moved along by the wind. The wind moves the ship. And, and so th- these men were moved by the Holy Ghost, uh, but God got, so it's God-breathed or God-given. Uh, <clears throat> you know, they were, they were, of course, from different backgrounds. Uh, and, and the Word of God is different from any other book in the world. It's distinct. It's in a class by itself. Now, you know, when, when men write books, you know, if you were going to write a book about somebody you considered your hero, how many of their faults would you put in the book? But you think about a man that God called his friend, and yet God records that he lied. They took another wife. You know, he forsook the land. Uh, a man that he calls a man after God's own heart. He records that he committed adultery, took another man's wife, and then had that man murdered. God records that. Again, for our benefit, for our instruction. Uh, so you know, the word of God is in a, in a class by itself. You have a, a book written over a period of maybe 1,600 years with 40 different authors from different backgrounds, different places, and it doesn't contradict itself. A, a book that does not change. It's never changed. Malachi tells us, I am the Lord, I change not. Heaven and earth shall pass away, my word shall not pass away. They'll not change. Nor, nor change. So it is an inspired book. And it's, it's good for doctrine or teaching. It teaches us what is right. Uh, Psalm 33, uh, verse uh, 4. Psalm 33, verse 4 says, For the word of the Lord is right. All his works are done in truth. Everything that the Bible addresses or speaks of is right. You know, the Bible is not a science book. But everything it says about science is right, is scientifically accurate. Uh, what Isaiah, you know, for years men thought the earth was flat. Isaiah tells us, talks about the circle of the earth. You know, for, for years men denied that the Hittites ever existed. But now, due to archaeological uh, digs and things like that, they have found a vast Hittite empire that existed at one time. You know, everything the Bible says about science or about history is true. And so uh, we, can, we can rest assured that what the Bible says about any subject or anything having to do with life is right. Don't argue with the Bible. Because it's going to prove you wrong. It's going to prove you wrong. 
it is it is life's, if you will, operational manual. Manual. You know, when you get a, when you, if you if you buy a, a, you know, buy something for the kitchen, let's say a crock pot, or 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 you buy a piece of equipment on the farm. You know, usually there was an operational manual or an instruction manual that comes along with it. Or if you buy something that needs assembled, there's usually instructions that go along with it. You know, men usually tend to throw away the instructions to try to put it together and then come up with some missing some parts that they don't know where they went to and. But, you know, it's always good to follow the, the instruction manual. Because usually the people that made it know how it works the best or how it's intended to be used. God made us. This is our operational manual. And if we will follow it, he says, for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. So if you want to get the best use out of life, you know, if you want the best use out of something you purchase, whether it's a piece of equipment or, or uh, uh, something for the kitchen or whatever it might be, you use it as it's intended to be used. You clean it as it's intended to be cleaned. Um, and God knows how best we ought to operate our lives. So, so it teaches us what is right. It is... It is reproof. It tells us not only what is right, but it tells us what is not right. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 9, uh, says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking... Is not sure that's the right one. Verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed uh, there, uh, thereto unto thy word. Um, verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against God. So... It, it also teaches us what is not right. What not to do. You know, getting back to Abraham or David, you know, God records those things for our instruction. And if you read what happened to David because he committed adultery and because he had a man's a, wife, a woman's husband killed, if you read what happened to him as the, the consequences of that, you're going to think, you know what? I don't want to go down that path. It's a warning to us. It's a warning to us. You know, the, 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 the conflict that it brought into Abraham's life because he took a second wife, we're still suffering from it. The descendants of Ishmael mixed up with the descendants of Esau are the Arabs. So it teaches us what is not right. Uh, for correction, when we sin, how to get it right. How to get right. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, God gave specific instruction to the children of Israel that when they sinned, what offering to bring to the tabernacle to offer to cleanse for a cleansing from their sin. So it was very specific. Of course, 1 John 1, 9 says, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, that's specific. If we confess, if we agree with God about our sin and, 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 and ask his forgiveness, he will forgive us. So how to get right. Uh, and then for, for instruction, how to keep right. 
and this is really what we're talking about tonight, uh, how to keep right. Psalm, seven, uh, Psalm 17, 4, in Psalm 17, 4, the psalmist said, Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, notice, I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. By the word of thy lips, I've kept me from the paths of the destroyer. You see, if you will heed the instruction that God gives you, it will keep you from the corruption that is in this world. In James chapter 1, James chapter 1, verses 21 through 25, James 1, 20, 21 says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness, superfluity of naughtiness, Receive with meekness the engrafted word. In other words, the idea of taking it in, to, to engraft it, making it part of you. you know, the grafting, my dad used to graft apple trees. And I didn't get my dad's knack for this. I couldn't seem to grow apple trees. But they say you can't grow them down here in our area. So I, you know, blame that. But anyway, uh, dad always was was very successful with with apple trees. He has a little orchard going on and he would graft. He would he would take a branch off another tree and slice it on an angle and cut a little slice in the side of the tree he wanted to graft it into and 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 press it into there and tape it and put some it was sort of like a it was called tree coat. I still remember what the can looked like. It was in a little green can. It looked like tar. And he He'd kind of tar that shut so bugs and stuff wouldn't get in it. And he'd tape it, and that branch would grow into the tree. And you could get two different kind of apples off one tree. You see, we, we're to engraft the word. You know, the word of God is really foreign to us sinners. It goes against human nature. But we're to engraft it into our life. Make it part of us. So it, the engrafted word, it says, which is able to save your souls, to keep you from sin. But be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For any man be, if any be a hearer of the word and not doer, he is like unto man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth to the way straight way, forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, which is the word of God, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So it is instruction, it will keep us, it will keep us from sin. You know, that was the thing that God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. You know, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do. That's what kept Joshua on his straight and narrow path. And gave him victory throughout his life. He followed the word of the Lord. You, know, you ever think about when Joshua, you know, he was a man known for being a leader in the battle. He, he was the guy that, that God used to lead the children of Israel to conquer the land. But you know, he didn't always use the, he didn't use the same strategy for every battle. Sometimes God would say, no, you just wait and ambush. Or you, you lay an ambush for the city. You know, there was different, different, different things that God, God told him to do. Uh, and so uh, it was instruction. It kept him 
uh, on that straight and narrow path it had for him. So it's an inspired book. Uh, it, it is an instructional book. Second Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, we do need to not only read the Bible, but we need to study it. We need to study it. Comparing Scripture with Scripture. Uh, we need to study it for several reasons. Study it to be confident. Notice verse 2 says of Proverbs 3, For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. It's a picture of being at rest, not being troubled, being sure of oneself. The word of God will give you confidence. David was a very confident young man. He wasn't arrogant, but he was confident. You know, his trust wasn't in himself. When he went to battle against Goliath, he wasn't trusting in David. He was trusting. He said, the Lord will give you in our hand. He was very confident. He was confident in the Lord. And God gave him that confidence. When you, when you know you're right in the sight of God, it gives you a peace that passeth all understanding. You know, uh, Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou shalt keep in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. So it will give you confidence. So we need to study to be confident. We need to study to be commended. Verse 4 so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. And again, 2 Timothy 2.15 says to study, to show ourselves approved unto God. So to be commended or approved. And so we need to, we need to study the Bible, receive its instruction, give heed to it, Hear it so that we may be approved or we may be commended by the Lord. By the Lord. Uh, we need to study it to be correct. Verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. And this idea is here is of rightly applying the word of God to our lives. You know, it's not enough just to know what it says. How does it apply to my life? You know, one of the, you know, and I remember going through this myself, but young people often say, I just wish I knew what God's will was for my life. You know, and young people, and I'm not saying this to criticize young people, but when you're young, you're always look, thinking about, if you're 12, you're thinking about when you'll be 16. And when you're 16, you're thinking about when you're going to be 20. And when you're 20, you're thinking about when you're going to be 25 or when you get married. You know, you're always thinking later. And when you hit 30, you're thinking about back when you were 25. Um, you know, that's the way life is. That's human nature. So young people, as young people, and I was just like this, Will, you know, we had this idea, I just wish I knew what the will of God was. Well, the will of God has to do with right now, not 10 years from now. If you're doing the will of God now, chances are very likely you'll do the will of God 10 years from now. God doesn't live in, although he knows, 
the end, from the beginning, he doesn't want us to live in the 10 years from now. He wants us to live in the right now. And if we take care of what's right now, he'll take care of what's 10 years from now. So the will of God is to obey the Lord, what you know to be right, right now. For a 12-year-old, that's children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. That's the will of God. To follow your parents' leading. And receive your, you know, and, and seek your training and your, your learning and all those things. Of course, you know, the learning never ends. Schooling never ends, guys. It just takes on a different face. Uh, so, so rightly applying the word to our lives. You know, as we think about looking back, looking forward to another year, you know, there will be, be new challenges, new obstacles. But we just need to trust the Lord today and apply those truths today and God will take care of tomorrow. God will take care of tomorrow. So it is an instructional book. It is an inspired book. It's an instructional book. It's also an invaluable book, and I like it down here because there's no clock. But I did take my watch off. Um, an invaluable book. Uh, notice verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. You know, the word of God, the word of God, God gives us wisdom. God gives us his wisdom from his word. That's how we get it. That's how he reveals his wisdom to us. Therefore, the word of God is an invaluable book. You know, of course, the word of God, the preaching and the teaching of the word of God is the most important part of a church service. I was reading uh, the other, here a week or two ago, um, one of the news items I get online, what, what do people value in churches? And it said it might surprise you. And it did. The only problem is you have to kind of filter what people really can say say preaching is or teaching. They didn't say preaching. I think they said teaching. But they said, that. but the article went on to say that what people really are looking for in a church is teaching. Now, I'm afraid what many of Americans are looking for is a motivation, motivational speaker, and they consider that teaching, all mixed up with psychology and, and all that stuff. Um, but, uh, but the word of God is the most important part, should be the most important part of a church service um, and, and of our lives. First uh, Thessalonians 5.20 says, despise not, prophesy. In other words, and the idea there is don't, don't, it, the idea is there to, to uh, uh, not consider it important. A lot of people just, I remember there was a family 
in Maine, and some of their family was in a, a um, I'm trying to remember what the, a chapel, what was the chapel? Calvary Chapel Church for quite a while. And, and, and the dad would ask them, what do you like about service? Oh, the singing. The singing was glorious. And it was all about the singing. It was contemporary music. But the singing was just wonderful. They would sing for hours. Singing. Uh, no, it's not singing. Of course, contemporary musicians say, you know, that the singing is the way you win people to Christ. However, they say they're not evangelists. Not sure how that goes together, but but uh, seems to be a contradiction there. No, the Bible says the spies not prophesy. It doesn't say anything about singing. No, the preaching of the Word of God. In all things, He's to have the preeminence, because the Word of God has the power to change us. Your music might feel your emotions, and, and good music should be doctrine and sound and does have a message, but it's, it doesn't do what the preaching of the Word of God can do. In Psalm 19, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. What's the rest of it say? Converting the soul. Converting the soul. You, that has the idea of a 180 degree change. It can totally change your direction. The word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3.18 1 Corinthians 3.18 I think it's actually 2 Corinthians 3.18. Yeah. That's wrong. Wrong book here. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with an open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed in the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So when we look into the Word of God with an open face, we're... we're we're beholding as in a glass or as in a mirror. The idea is like like uh, uh, James says, you know, he, he looketh into the perfect law of liberty and forgetteth what manner of man he is. So when we look into the mirror in the morning and you say, oh, I got to do something. I got to change the way I look. Yeah, your hair is kind of you know, messed up, and you want to wash your face, and and uh, you want to make some changes. As we and as we look into the Word of God, it can change us. It can change us. David said, "I, I have, I'm wiser than the ancients because I have kept Thy commandments." It changed his life. It not only changes us, but it will cheer us. Psalm 19 again, verse eight: "The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart." It will bring rejoicing to your heart. A, a sign of spiritual activity is praising the Lord. If you've lost your cheer, maybe you're out of the word. Bill Winston often used to say, he said, if you, if you can have a song in your heart when there's trouble, that's a 
very sure indication you're still walking with the Lord. Jeremiah said, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and they were unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. You know, he was the guy that went to the nation of Israel, and God told him when he started out, they're not going to listen to you. That would, that would be real encouraging. You know. uh, it cheers us. It challenges us. Verse 9 and 10 of, of Psalm 19. The fear of the Lord is clean. Enduring forever the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. If we want to be clean, pure, walk worthy, do what's right, we need to spend time in the word of God. It convicts us. Verse 11. Moreover by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them there is great reward. You know, when, when we read the word of God, we're admonished. Sort of like a parent or dad saying to his son, son, go do, go take out the trash. Or giving him giving him a command and telling him that if it's not done, there is consequences. You're warning. You know, the, the Bible gives us instruction about things in life, and it warns us of the consequences of not being obedient. Psalm 38, verse 1. The psalmist says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure, for thine arrows stick fast in me, thy hand presseth me sore. There's no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For mine iniquities are going over mine head as a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. You know, God gave him warning. David didn't heed the warning. So his the word of God warns us. It it puts in it puts it in the mind. You know, the, the idea of admonish when you admonish them, you're putting it in their mind. It's so like if you have a child and you live along the road, you know, a lot of a lot of people nowadays put up a fence to keep the kids in. You can either put up a fence or you can put a fence in here. You know what? You're much better off if you put the fences in here. Because if you put the fences in here, you won't have to be watching them 24-7. And when they get older and they're a little bit getting oversized to be taken to the woodshed or you can't put them in a lock them into a room or put them in a playpen and keep them so they can't go any, anywhere if you put the fence in here when they were one two and three the fence will still be there when they're 15 see the reason why a lot of People can't control their kids when they get a little bit older because they didn't put the fence in here. They built a, they built a, 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 a literal fence 
to make their kids stay where they wanted them to stay. So see, to put that fence in here means you have to afflict some pain. God will put fence in here. And of course, you know, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, and the joints and the marrow, and is a cerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It goes to here. See, we need to put a fence in our minds with the word of God. You know, when I was, when I went to Maine, this pastor that was had been there for 14 years, he had all kinds of fences, but they weren't here. He had a Christian school, and basically through the Christian school he controlled, because he had rules at the Christian school that they had to abide by, or they couldn't be, or, you know, and he was very. He was a dictator, that's all I can say. And he was violent about it. But when I came, I cut their fences. We didn't have the Christian school. After a year and a half, we closed it. So now they didn't have to do certain things to keep the kids in the Christian school. But I began teaching it from the word of God. And when I first, when I cut the fence, not I literally cut a fence, but in a really, in real respect, I cut, cut the fences. When I cut the fences, you know what some of them did? They threw off their standards they had. I'm convinced that a lot of people that are in churches that have schools have standards because the school has standards. That's the only reason they have them. See, they threw off the standards. When I began teaching them from the word of God, some of them picked the standards back up in obedience to the word of God. Not because the preacher said you have to do it, because that's what the word of God taught. See, we need to put fences in our mind from the word of God. Uh, that again, that goes back to applying the word of God to everyday life. So being warned, instructed, uh, you know, parents, you know, we parents are not all seeing. Sometimes our kids think we are, but we're not. But God is. Our Heavenly Father is. And so we need to put the, his word into our minds so that we'll be warned and that it will keep us from evil. So might God help us to stay right, stay in the book, it is an inspired book, it's an instructable book, and it is an invaluable book. It has all things that pertain to life and godliness. People will seek it out. We must seek it out. Might God help us to stay right with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for the instruction it gives us and the challenge it gives us. Father, help us to be students of your word. To, know, to learn it and apply it to our lives for our good and for thy glory, we do pray.
in Jesus' name.